Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks I did. I was like, why would you do this? <laughs> you that got to so me? mad at your phone. <laughs> I was like, fuck you. Fuck you that sounded great. Okay, all right, hold on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Measuring Flicks. My name's Carl Hartley. And my name's Max Peterson. And today, we are not talking about. Now we are. <laughs> today, we're talking about 1986, 88. 1986? 1986. 86 is what I have. 1986's Blue Velvet. I just couldn't read my own handwriting because I'm a philistinical slob. Philistinical, yes. what a word. Mm, we're, just, we're starting the show off like that, are we? I'm just killing it today <laughs> with my philistinicals and <laughs> whatnot. Um, yeah. So this is directed by David Lynch. There's a slew of people in here that oh, I yeah. was really impressed by. Um, obviously, Kyle MacLachlan and Dennis Hopper. Uh, Isabella Rossellini plays the most disturbed um, lounge singer of all time. Mm-hmm. And um, even though, you know what? She's not credited like anywhere you look it up. She's never in the top build cast. But Laura Dern's in this. Yeah, Laura Dern. And she's pretty damn good in this. She's not bad. Ooh. Ooh, shots fired. <laughs> All right. Just, it was a warning shot across, across the bow. Across the bow. Yeah, that's what that was. Um, okay, so what do, where do we want to start with this? this All we, right, so... When we covered... My, the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, my first thought uh, on finishing this is like, well, that wasn't the most Lynchy David Lynch movie I've ever watched. It was the probably his more, most like streamlined it, it had the story goes from like discovery to investigation to issue to resolving to like everything is fine so it has this like <clears throat> it has a plot <laughs> and it's basically a noir detect noir detective in that style in that yeah. style it, she's a um laura dern is kind of i was trying to figure out because uh film no not film noir noir is really specific and yeah. we can talk about what that is but like the the crime noir detective yeah. story. Um, it's become like, have you ever, have you ever seen brick with Joseph? Oh, yeah. Love, it? Love yeah, that yeah. movie. But when people do like homages to that now, there are certain beats that you hit. Right. Even though like in the original films, they just happened to have similar elements. But I was trying to figure out who, who's the femme fatale. And I think it's, like Laura Dern is like a reverse femme fatale because she doesn't bring the case to him. No, she doesn't. He brings the case to her in a weird mm-hmm. way because she go he goes to her father because um, he's the one that discovers the first thing is which is the ear. The, in the ear, field. yeah. So which, it's not like the knock on the door. It's you know, like my husband's gone missing. And <laughs> uh, please, please, detective. Yeah, Laura Dern walks in he's in a dress de- that detective. she poured herself de- into. Oh God. Um. Well, actually, I kind of like. I think I liked this movie more than you did. Let's let's get that okay, out of the way. So so all right, this is not my favorite David Lynch movie. I, the whole time watching, I was like, I'd rather be watching Lost Highway. But mm. I think it's 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 fine. The reason I say is like the least Lynchy movies. Like there are these David Lynch moments that are peppered in, and then some of them hang on for longer than than others. Like the Dennis Hopper, the first time you you meet Frank. Yeah, that scene is like, baby, okay. wanna fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's just like there there are these moments. It almost felt like a like 
like a film student was making a crime thriller and had just watched a whole bunch of David Lynch movies and wanted to throw these Interesting. like little homage homages in homages. And so it just it just felt, everything that was Lynchy about it felt awkward and out of place for me because it wasn't sure if it wanted to be a straight up like crime detectives because the detective story is actually pretty interesting like the moments with uh, the jeffrey character and things like that how he gets caught up in the it's caught up with the bad guys and frank and gets sort of caught and pulled into that world yeah but at the end of the day it's just sort of like an an okay like sort of noir-ish with these little david lynch we're gonna make the we're gonna make the audience feel weird now, but I don't think that <laughs> I, that's not how his brain works. Sure, he literally put this movie together out of pieces of story that he had in his mind and sewed them right. all together over a long period of he, time. Like, this is a Frankenstein of like. It's similar to how he Crime worked drama. with Eraserhead, where he yeah. had good bits in his head. And just had to find a way to and pull them all together. Well, whereas in Eraserhead, he just kept the good bits and didn't have any connective tissue. Yeah. And that's what makes that movie such a nightmare to watch. Mm-hmm. Like a beautiful, a beautiful nightmare. nightmare. Um, this one, you can tell that he... This movie, to me, feels like a studio saw Eraserhead. Right. And then broke... David Lynch mm-hmm. a little bit and kind of like got him to play by this is David Lynch I think playing, playing by, by the their rules. rules a little bit I think so even as like dark as this movie gets which is pretty dark which is pretty dark uh-huh. but it's so weird like after watching our Patreon exclusive like the, yeah. the spit in your grave movies uh-huh. the Dennis Hopper scene is it is messed up like, his performance is crazy but it's like like Oh, I'm like prepared for this now. It's weird. Like my my yeah. brain has been I don't want to say desensitized by a little bit though. But kind of. I'm yeah. like, "Oh, this is nothing. There's no rock." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> there's, there's no rock here. If there was a rock, if we just stayed on her for, you know, if if he'd stayed on her longer maybe it yeah. would have, but I mean, we don't but have to. But then it just gets goofy. It's like I feel like all the tension and the crazy moments they they're they're there and you're caught in that moment with them and you're like well like when when jeffrey is hiding in the closet and he's watching right this sort of rape happen with frank and um uh dorothy Balans. Balans. dorothy Balans, yeah but she's also sort of enjoying it in a way because she likes to be hurt and we find that and out we find later. that out yeah but that you don't you don't get it he leaves and then it immediately becomes something else which i think is fine well i think the way that i'm looking at this is i it, it took me a, a little while to find my way into the movie. Yeah. Oh, me too. Just because... I think it's because we've been watching... We've been watching two, like, totally auteur directors, but very... Completely different very, styles. Very, very different and, styles. And, and with what they want to say. Right. So it's I... completely different. My brain was sort of tuned to Jim Jarmusch, and I needed to get it back into, like, a neutral state before I could find my yeah. way in. And I noticed that, like, I actually really enjoyed the what David Lynch does in that scene, the filmmaking of that scene. Because mm-hmm. when I first started watching this, I was like, oh, this is kind of stupid. Or um, what I thought, what I felt was, is like this, um, this feels like a practice run for Twin Peaks season one. Absolutely. That is my big takeaway, especially at the end of this movie, the way, it, the way it sort of is like the, everything is back to normal now. It's, we have the, the white picket fence and the roses, but there's a, there's still, you know, because there's a robin in the window with a beetle in its mouth, you right. know that that evil is still lurking in the ground, right? It's still oh, chewing we, on we the... Oh, we did the ending differently, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. no, it's because like everything is perfectly fine, and the robin is here because we can talk about her horrible monologue if we want to, but the... the oh! But the robins... No, Carl. But the robins are... 
They like represent the love. Of love and like peace, and, but he has the beetle in its mouth. Right. Which you could read as, well, the the, the Robin is coming and, and is taking care of all the, the evil and everything is back to, to good and pleasant. But I read it as the Robin is here saying, as a reminder, like, hey, yeah, everything's great now. But just so you know, here, remember, I brought you this. It's a beetle. Are you ready to Things go on bad. a ride with me? Yeah, sure. Okay. Go. I think this movie, I actually, as um, I have to be slightly critical of Blue Velvet, probably because I watched the other movie that we're going right, to do yeah. next week on the same day, and it's just such a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But I actually really like this movie, Blue Velvet. I'm definitely, I'll, I'll spin this again. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and here's why. Mm-hmm. is About three quarters of the way through, this movie started falling into place for me as a metaphor, an okay. allegory for, I think in a weird way, this is not so much a crime noir detective story mm-hmm. as it is a coming of age tale. And I think it's a coming of, it's a coming of age tale couched in the trappings right. of a crime noir, but <laughs> God, I can't look at my, with all the stuff we have on the table, I, I can't look at my notes. <laughs> but um, Jeffrey, when we for are first introduced to Jeffrey and what's uh, what's the girl's name, the Laura Dern character? I can never remember her name. Samantha, or God, I don't. I just kept thinking Laura Dern. Yeah, Sandy. Sandy. Sandy Williams. Right. All right. So when Jeffrey first finds the ear in the grass, um, well, actually, the brief aside, mm-hmm. David, if you watch, listen to interviews on David Lynch or you listen to interviews with David Lynch, that zoom into the ear and then the zoom out of the ear at the end. Um, out of Jeffrey's ear, right. suggests that possibly this is all just a fantasy. Yeah, which yeah. is <laughs> I saw the similar interviews. Like, so you see the ear, and it's you going into another world, maybe Jeffrey's head, and then when you come out of it, then right. you're back in the real world, and you're like, oh wow, so the whole movie is not real. I'm gonna choose to not believe. Yeah, that. I'm gonna choose that it is actually a thing that. Yeah, that we're gonna take everything as factual. However. It, it does play that way mm-hmm. a lot like the, the there's some really absurd things that the Valens character mm-hmm. to me reads like a fantasy of a woman for a certain type of for a certain for like a college sub- freshman that's not, not necessarily that but like they're this movie touches on a lot of really it's weird it's hard to talk about David Lynch have you noticed we do the same thing with Eraserhead yeah but in your like there's like subconscious like humans have subconscious desires if you go right. by freud it's for sex and violence and this movie is no- literally nothing but sex and violence mm-hmm. but through a lynchian twist you know like the frank character is the ultimate violent character yes. and he's also extremely sexually driven and zero redeeming qualities at all <laughs> and just evil but also I think it's I think it's important and very deliberate that his particular sexuality is infantilism Mm-hmm. Like Frank's character wants when he does his huge hits of nitrous or whatever's yeah. in his bottle, he his sexual perversion. I'm using air quotes because what I think Lynch is showing us that he's an adult. Frank is a man. He's a violent man, mm-hmm. a criminal. He's a man of this dark, violent world of adulthood. And when he the only thing that he aspires to is to become a childlike again, but it's tainted and poisoned by his drug use, which yeah. is another thing we see in the world of, of, uh, of, of adulthood Frank, yeah. or whatever. Frank's adulthood. Right. There's a drug. drug yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to use this really, I'm going to, uh, okay. Jeffrey and, um, fuck, Sandy, Sandy, Jeffrey and Sandy live in, I'm going to call it like a Riverdale. It b- is. Like yeah, pastel. They call it L- it's Lumbertown or Lumberton. 
Well, I so mean, like, those characters are oh, in like a, okay. yeah, they're like, I think Sandy has just gotten out of high school. Yeah. So they're in like a nostalgic, like rose colored world. And then there's this other world, which is Frank and Valens, Dorothy Valens yep. and the criminals and the drug dealers. So Frank, I think Frank and Jeffrey are really interesting together because Frank spends all his time in this world of like violent adulthood trying to revert to childhood. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want, you know, like do like that. Don't fucking look at me. And he's he can't help but be tainted by that violence. But what he's aspiring to in a weird way is the innocence of childhood again. I just read it as an Oedipus complex. Interesting. Well, I the reason that I read it as I do is because we see Jeffrey moving when we when we are first introduced to the what the setup. Oh, yeah. It's like Jeffrey and fuck Sandy Sandy. I'm going to get it. Sandy, 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 Sandy. (laughs) All right. Jeffrey and Sandy, like the setup is literally like, I think I'm going to try and like get into her house. They'll never believe it because we're just a couple of crazy kids. The setup is very like Hardy Boys adventure. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, right. It's like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. It's Nancy Drew 100%. Because and even when he goes in, he's like, I just need to spray your kitchen. And that guy that comes in and it's like, oh, it's a mobster in a yellow suit. It's very like Dick Tracy. Yes, so yes. it's comic booky. It's goofy. It's mm-hmm. weird. And it's like, OK, yeah. all right, Sandy, <laughs> oh, you're all done. And then there's this there's this thing again and again where he's like, so you want to come out tonight? No, I'm going to be with Mike. Oh, your boyfriend. It's like a high yeah, school drama. High school, it's Degrassi kind of. It's exactly. Yeah. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah, like, I get it. We've got the goofy set up. And then he hides in the closet and watches a gangster come in, do nitrous beat this woman like insensate and then violently rape her on the floor mm-hmm. after or before which he's been discovered spying on her we think she he's going or she's going, she's going to, to castrate him, him. Yeah. that by the way it's, do you want to talk about tension in this movie when she's gets to her knees and is still holding that knife up and she says come closer come closer yeah, like, that oh, whole time shit. i'm like I've never seen this movie, but are they going to cast right? fucking <laughs> Agent his... Cooper right. in the first like half hour of this you movie? You can't cut Cooper's dick off. So he comes out. She <laughs> threatens <clears throat> in a weird way, like threatens to castrate him. Then maybe performs some sort of like light oral sex on it. Like him. just breathes on it and then takes him like he's so he's now completely <laughs> naked. This except for his shoes. That is the. <clears throat> That to me is the the moment because we we go from like Nancy Drew mm-hmm. to like the most that's that's what Lynch does basically is he shocks us into this violent depraved world yeah. where all these adults are. This woman is married. This woman has a child. This is not Sandy. This isn't a you know right yeah. I think that's important too because if Dorothy Valance had just been like, oh she's a a single lounge singer looking for she would have just right. been a Sandy character, but she has history. Yes, she and oh. there's other things going on. She has a assumed to be kidnapped husband and child that Frank is holding. Right, <clears throat> but there's other stuff too, mm-hmm. like to just jumping all over and connecting all the dots, which is hard to do in a lynch <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, the way that they so he Kyle has or Kyle McLaughlin right um so Jeffrey has now entered in that moment this adult world mm-hmm. and when he talks to Sandy the next time after he leaves I mean I think it's important well no hold on <clears throat> when he gets to Sandy the next time he's like fucked up about it mm-hmm. he's like it's a strange world Sandy yeah. Oh, that's right. He has that whole moment. It's a lot of weird things, a lot of strange things in this. You world. almost you can see him sort of being like, 
okay, I'm in the car with Sandy and I'm her her boyfriend Mike and high school drama, but he he can't get that out of his head right. now because now he's seen. It's like that moment um, when you're a kid and you. I mean, sure, you remember the first time that someone showed you a magazine, and yeah. it, you're different after that. You're like, that's that's a what? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's a there's a weird moment before you're exposed to sex. I'm not talking about like your first sexual experience, right? Or sexual no, awakening. the first time you like <laughs> become aware of become it. Become aware of it. It's like your whole your entire world changes. Yeah, something yeah. becomes different, and I think we see Jeffrey go through that, where he's like, he's trying to do that thing where now me and Sandy are in the car, and oh boy, it was. Yeah. I'll tell you, Sandy, last night sure was strange, but. We found the mystery and we're right. going to break up but the no, maple syrup gang, but that's not it no. at all. You know, he just saw a woman get raped and then she was... And then she was she had him take his clothes off and held a knife to him and then... Before that. Yeah. And then, but uh, after he gets out, no. Yeah. After he gets out, they go to the couch or whatever and she's like... Oh, yeah. She's like, hold she's me. She's like, do you like me? Touch my breast. And you're like... What? What is going on? And then mm-hmm. she goes, we get that beautiful zoom in on her lips and she says, hit me. And he's like, oh, I gotta oh, go. And it, it fucks with him and it sticks with him. So yeah, he's having dreams about it. And I, th- yeah, I think that and the, not like, yeah, like fantasy dreams either. No, really. he's crying. He's crying. Well, later he, cr- what really wrecks him is later he's trying to I'm going to use the term that I hate but he's trying to make love to her which is exactly what he's trying he's to do. He's trying to be the kind gentle. Right. So like he has this like I'm the detective and you're this mysterious sad woman and I'm making love to you and then she's like are you a bad boy? And he's like what? 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 Hmm? I think that's that scene is fucking genius mm-hmm. because he's they are playing the characters, okay, they're characters, but let's yeah. assume they're real. They're playing different characters. He's playing Each of them, yeah, yeah, and she's like, "You can do anything you want." He's like, "I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, we're having sex. What more is there, man?" <laughs> right. And she's like, I "Want you to hurt me?" And he's like, "No." And then she loses her mind, and he does. He hits yeah. her several times, and later on, when he's thinking back on it, he's he's crying. He's fucked yeah. up about it. Yep. And I think what we're seeing is a boy in a liminal space. Yeah. But literally, like, you can't not say that. You can't because not, that's because where he is. everything, yeah. So, everything points to that. I mean, shit. When they're in the, yeah, so he's he's being dragged into this world that he, in when he was young, he, uh, the young Jeffrey at the beginning, yes. when he's in that idealized world, he imagined, like, he even says when they're in the diner, he's like, I'm in the middle of a mystery. And it's, yeah, yeah. He's I'm right that, smack in the middle of it. It's the youth and innocence and uh, there's uh, just a lot of... Um, and the, um, the adult real world the is adult world. not what he expected. It's so much darker than I think he could have even, or us as the viewer could anticipate. Right? Because, you know, if you, if you, hey, he's going to, ah, some mysteries, I, we could get caught. And I think what he has in his mind of getting caught is probably a lot different than what actually takes place. And for us having seen other, like, thrillers like this. Yeah. It goes a lot further down that rabbit hole than even we anticipate right. as far as and the, thing the of, stakes involved with getting possibly caught by the bad guys. And I think it plays with those rules really well because we have, as viewers, we've probably both, we've seen both, you know, movies like, I mean, they all pre, they all post-date this right. movie, but like Brick and the Machinist where it's dark yeah. as fuck. But even before that, you know, you have your like hard-bitten crime dramas, but you we've also, as viewers, probably read Nancy Drew Absolutely. as 
absolutely kids. read Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys like crazy. So from the jump, I mean, he finds an ear in the grass, and that's pretty Even weird. Even the Scooby-Doo gang has some sort of level yes. of... So there's we're almost expecting... The potential for... Right. The way that he establishes caught. it, was he, we are almost expecting Scooby-Doo to happen. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we're in The Machinist. And we're oh, like, yeah. what the <laughs> fuck? And Jeffrey is with us there. Mm-hmm. He's like, mental wheel spin. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's raping a woman in front of me. I th- I thought this was going to be like, like, you know. A, like a crime story. Yeah, like, like a, where's the fake ghost guy who comes right. in, you know? Or like, in, 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 I was expecting. Where are the clues? Where's the putting the yeah, pieces together? Where looking, the clues come from just the people like that he interacts with? Right. How, the, the, there are no... There's no evidence other than the ear. Like, there's no dusting for prints. There's none of that, like, procedural stuff. Yeah. All of the information he gets is from, well, he takes some photos of a meeting and then being a fly on the wall and hearing conversation and putting those pieces together. Right. So it's like you don't even get to have the that fun sort of, I'm going to look up these names in this yes. book. I'm going to go pound the pavement and talk to people. It's like the, he gets the, pulled into the world. The procedural stuff is like a safety net in a weird way. He's, yeah. he's looking for the the black outlined footprint on the carpet, but what he gets is a panting old nitrous addicted man yeah. stuffing velvet into his mouth. Yeah. Like, like, oh shit, this isn't like no, yeah. those Nancy Drew books I read. This is some fucked up shit. My whole, my whole David Lynch framework came from Twin Peaks. That was the first mm-hmm. thing I saw. So I was and I always forget that that was a TV show that yeah. aired Mulholland on Mulholland Drive was my first. That was my second and Fuck. I fucking love Mulholland Drive. Ooh. But uh when I always forget that Twin Peaks was a show on television. Yeah. So it is definitely toned down because there's Lynch stuff that he likes to do that he can't do in Twin can't Peaks. Can't do on NBC or whatever. To be fair, yeah. like Twin Peaks is fa- a fairly brutal show. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching Blue Velvet, I was expecting like Twin Peaks leveled stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm getting like, baby wants to fuck and like chip close ups of chipped teeth while women yeah. are like smiling and licking their lips. And, yep. And it's it's a shocking film because not because its purpose is to shock, but to show the shock of its character. I think so. <clears throat> and like you there, there is a lot of discussion about Dennis Hopper as Frank in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go on any any Reddit, any site, IMDb, whatever. It's like there's a lot of discussion. Because Dennis, anytime Dennis Hopper's in anything, there's a lot of discussion right. about his performance <laughs> just because he's Dennis Hopper. Well, now there would be because he's dead. <clears throat> because he's dead. But even right. beforehand, <clears throat> like, there's one of my favorite moments with Dennis Hopper, as I think a lot of people, is his monologue in True Romance mm. when Christopher Walken. Never seen it. Oh my gosh, you need to see it. Quentin okay. Tarantino wrote the script for it, directed ah. by uh, Tony Scott. But. Um, so he's about to die. He knows he's going to be killed by the Sicilian mob boss kind of character. And so he tells this dude a story because it's the last thing he can do. And it's a, most, it's a very subtle performance, but you get the the weight of it, right? So it's Dennis Hopper being in true romance, is, is, being, is acting with his eyes. He's doing that, that good acting, you know what I mean? And this, yeah. it's like, <clears throat> I remember him being over the top. This is like the second or third time I've watched this movie. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can handle... Dennis Hopper being Dennis Hopper again right. because I'm remembering this seriously over the top just ridiculous character and watching it again I think because we've been doing this podcast mm. I'm kind of looking through looking through a different lens than I was before he is not over the top he's just as over the top as he needs to be yeah. I think yeah. he's only super super crazy at those moments when either he's taken that fifth hit of nitrous that's when he for me that's when he like settles a little he bit he does a little bit <clears throat> but 
No one for first of all, nobody says the word fuck like Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he says fuck real good. Real good. He and CeeLo Green are the uh Oh my god, right. <laughs> the uh, the Kings. Um but he I think this Frank character could have pl- could have been way over the top. Yeah. And I think that Dennis Hopper He's not was, Nick Caging. He's it. not Nick Caging it. And there are these like like slow fast transitions that he does like it's so crazy like the work that is being done with just his his mania the going from one sort of mania to another very quickly but showing all these little steps in between i can't explain it any better than no, that you have exactly to see the, saying, the, yeah. the, see the performance but even in the scene where they go to um oh my god the dude from quantum leap suave yeah, so I was right. Joe Swab's place, <laughs> and he's asking for a ben glass, Swab. and I can't drink warm beer. It'll make me fucking puke. And yeah. he's going through this whole thing, and it's such a weird scene because you don't really know why you're there. Weird shit's happening, right? Well, it's to show where the the <laughs> husband like the, and son, are. the husband and son, are right because they're being kept there, right. and there's some other business going on. But that whole as soon as they walk in, but actually before that, when they're walking in and he's like, Hey, we'll get you some beer. What kind of beer? You like, he's like, Heineken. He's like, fuck Heineken. Paps blue ribbon. Yeah. And they go in like, there are so many moments of him slightly changing his mania where it's like, I don't know. I it's he, like, I think he says, uh, I, the, the, that line was really big for me in understanding Dennis Hopper's performance mm-hmm. when he's on the porch. He's, he says, like, what kind of beer you like? And he's totally calm. Yep. He's like, oh, what kind of beer you like? We'll get you some beer. And he says, Heineken. And he goes, Heineken, fuck that shit. Yeah. Pabst Blue Ribbon. And you're like, oh. I think that... He's always constantly on the on the verge of, of snapping. Yeah. yeah, it's like water right before Just it boils. Just before it boils. I think that Dennis Hopper in this is pure id. I think he... He, he is all surface there's well i think i think the the reason i like i like id rather than like the water boiling or something like Mm -hmm. that is he only ever has two things on his mind and i sex and violence yeah yeah exactly there's think of anything else that he wants at any point in the movie can you well he wants the beer and drugs which all help feed the other Right, it's the it's a gluttony. Need. I mean, right. there's a Freud was Freud had a way of explaining like um, people who overeat and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or just that like gluttonous lust for food. It's I always wanting to fill in and in, in satisfy. I think it's right? just yeah. It's uh, there's another God. We're not we don't have to get into psychology, but no, there's someone good. else who says there's. It, I think it's a it was a um, someone who followed Freud was saying that the only desires we have are to penetrate or to be penetrated. Right. Anyway, that that's kind of what I get from him because when he toasts to Joe Suave or whatever or uh, uh, Ben Suave and Ben Suave's like here's to your health he's like let's not toast to that let's toast to uh, toast to my fuck Oh, it's toast to fuck. Toast to fuck. It's not even not like not to fucking or not to like to, it's a good to, fuck. Let's to toast fuck. To, to fuck. And Ben is like, here's to, to your. Uh, he says, here's to your fuck, Frank. Like, think Ooh, about that. Yeah, no, that definitely <laughs> landed for me. I'm like, oh, it's not even about it's to not fucking even or to, to yeah. what. It's, it's not like verb fuck. tense. It's it's just like it to is your fuck. It is monolithic. Yeah fuck and yep. he, i love that here's to your fuck frank and here's he's like fuck, yeah frank. and he's he digs it 
he's like, yeah, all right, that was a good toast. You get the sense that he's like, there is no better thing to toast than fuck. In all of its, in um, in all of that, there's nothing better. Let's let's toast to let's toast to fuck. And then after that, you get now I can't listen to candy colored clown or candy covered clown. Uh, Candy colored clown. clown. Yeah, dude, the actor who's who plays Ben Suave, fucking knocks that shit out of the park he needs to go on jimmy fallon for lip sync lip, lip. <laughs> well not just the candy colored clown but his right. performance in general ben suave is amazing so that that i wish i could remember his actor he was on fucking 17 seasons of quantum leap <laughs> yeah. as as the hologram um oh boy i have to hand i had to hand you my movie card last week i gotta hand you my nerd card this week because i can't remember the character's name <laughs> <in> quantum leap <laughs> But when he's out of that television environment, that actor has he was in Dune as well. Yeah, the Lynch Dune. The yeah. Lynch Dune. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people when they see that face, they go Quantum Leap. I'm like, right. oh no, he has a lot more going on. His Just look at this. His consistent. He's on screen for like eight minutes and barely. Yeah, yeah. but with like the second you see him, and he's just like. Well, hey, Frank, how's it going? And he's Frank. And the only character that Frank doesn't give shit to. He yeah. respects him. All he does, yeah, all he does is, God damn, suave, you're one suave motherfucker. Yep. Like again and again. Like he respects him in this weird sort of way. I don't know if it's because he gets his drugs from him. I think him it's and because his... he is the other side of Frank's coin. Frank is constantly like, ah, 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 and he's the, con- he's the. And suave, even when he punches Jeffrey in the stomach, he mm-hmm. doesn't ramp up he's constantly that heavy lidded like lotus eater face yeah god damn like and just the way that he does blinks slowly he blinks slow he does there's a a couple times where someone where frank will say something and he does this like non-committal head mm -hmm, nod i guess so sort of a barely it is the minimum amount of motion of your head and shoulders that means it's like having a conversation with somebody that did the biggest bong rip of inica of ever straight he just it you know what he reminds me of and this might be because bird and i've been talking about it on chatman and robin is he reminds me of like those people lounging in opium dens mm-hmm. in like movies set in victorian right, times yeah, or yeah. uh no it'd be mm, yeah it would be victorian times so like because i was just thinking i'm like <laughs> when's jack the ripper right 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 so but yeah when like like people who are like that languorous sort of like slow like how opium um, someone described opium to me the other day as being hit in the head with uh heaven wrapped in a brick oh jesus and i was like jesus dude but yeah like so he's he's got that like languorous like I'm just like not like a sloth. No, it's thing. like he's completely there. He's not missing any part mm-hmm. of the conversation or the moment. He is, he knows everything he's that's going on and, and completely capable of not in a zen way. In like a weird, it's that zen weird zen way. way. He's like he is still water, man. Yep, he is just like the surface of a pond. You know, mm-hmm. oh, he's, he's such a fucking good performance. Honestly, Ben, I could watch that Ben Swab scene oh, yeah. again and again just yeah. to watch his like. And, and head. The, just the goofy moment when he is he's lip syncing to to candy colored clown, clown. and he Dennis Hopper so is like enamored good. with him and is even like lip syncing along and he's crying. It's almost like he's. Those are the bits that I would point to to say that Dennis Hopper is not, he's not caging it. He's not going totally insane because when you watch him singing along the Candy Colored Clown, you can see the turmoil mm-hmm. that's going, because he's singing because he likes pain, it, yeah. but he's, but it's hurting him too. Yeah. 
And this is, might be making him feel a thing, and he doesn't like that. I also think that it might be reminding him of, of his like childhood, being innocent, being innocent, yeah. and that loss of innocence. Yeah. And because he starts to like, he starts to tear up. Yeah, and like it's really angry. So he's screaming. He's like, "Fuck it!" And then takes the tape out of the thing. He's like, "Can't." Nope, we're done with that. Yeah, I'm not going back there. And then he's, you know, like where they hit the road or whatever. Hit the road. And speaking of which, how do you fucking fit seven people in a Dodge Challenger? Um, well, that back seat was pretty fucking tight. Yeah, well, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of Dude, room. Jeffrey back was there, but... vanishing in between those yeah, two he dudes. Was next just to his head. Just his he head. looked like ET when he was when he was hiding in the. I'm glad you took closet. it to the Challenger because yeah. this takes me back to my thesis of coming of age story mm-hmm. and the the being sort in of, the back seat and sort of not that when Dennis Hopper pulls over and he's like ripping on his. His, uh, his nitrous, nitrous, and he looks back, and he's his face like chills out for a second, because that nitrous like gives him euf- moments of euphoric clarity. We've yep. seen a couple times, and he sort of settles a little. And bit. And he looks at Jeffrey, and he goes, "You and me are the same." That's the line, and you're like, "How? How? In what way, Frank? Does that make sense to you?" And then you realize, like, if if Jeffrey continues into this world. Frank is possibly the most extreme, extreme end of the spectrum. But, he could, yeah. but like, is is Frank saying in this moment when I'm using this drug that we've seen infantilize me, mm-hmm. this drug has given me my innocence and now I'm innocent like you? Or does it give him a moment of clarity saying you just went to like a, a whorehouse with me and watched a drug deal yeah, I and think, now we're in a car I think that's more my read because... I think he would understand because he catches Jeffrey coming out of um, Valen's apartment. Right. So he would assume that he has had sexual relations. So with he's the woman. saying he's probably saying something like more you're like in you've, my world. you're my world. Yeah. Like you have you've gone to the you've gone to the widow's web and you have and that line right. delivery is so sad. Like mm-hmm. like he's saying to him like you could have been innocent. Right. But you didn't. You're well, now. You didn't. You're in this world, and there's a the way he says it. There's a sense of loss. Like you were, like maybe like Jeffrey. You were pure. He's just not thinking this. Oh, he's not thinking that. It's right. a pure. It's a pure like like uh in like instinctual like animal brain thought of like innocent thing not innocent anymore. Yeah. And he says, "Oh my God, I love that line delivery." Yeah. And so immediately following that is you know they they pile out of the car, and he could have very well killed jeffrey there's no reason why he shouldn't have he gives him a chance he gives him a chance to go back to that other world yeah he's being weird about it like putting lipstick on and kissing him while crazy ladies <sighs> doing her sexy dance i'm <laughs> telling like, hey, you look at my sexy dance man <laughs> this is where i start like not- while candy colored clown is playing again yeah, 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 yeah. And but like and he i think that's important <laughs> i do too <laughs> oh, i mean Be- obviously it because is. we've seen that like hurt Frank because of the innocence that it represents to him. Maybe innocence, but for whatever reason, whatever that is, it's, it's hurting him. And that's also what he needs to hear to let Jeffrey go. Right. To maybe like step back into Mm -hmm. remembering or that frame of mind. He's way too corrupted to ever be innocent. I don't understand. I was watching this movie intently and writing notes Mm -hmm. because that's the thing I started doing now, which is actually helping. Right. (laughs) Um, why Why did he decide to let him go? What was the actual reason? Because Frank would have needed a real reason, right? Other than just like, oh, I guess we fucked with this kid enough. He can go now. Or is it he felt like maybe he is 
like I, th- I think it's tainted be- him enough and now he can release him back into the wild like i don't th- i think in a way I- i'm sure i'm just not remembering the specific actual I'm part sh- that that beat in the movie i don't remember i'm sure that lynch has something in mind right because we've saw with a racer head he's like people tell me their interpretations all the time but none of them are mine i'm sure no, there is a reason there's a reason there. that lynch has whereas to i think it's okay to compare directors because that's what we're doing this month is right. i think jarmish will give you things as they are and let you decide mm-hmm. because like we're, we're the movie we're gonna talk about i think there's a lot in that flick that we're gonna talk about next mm-hmm. week only lovers left alive i think there's a lot in that flick that jarmish Jarmish might have an idea, but it's not important what his idea is. He's, he gives, he lets it lay, and whichever way you decide, it's fine and fine with him. It's however right. you want to take the art. It's however the art affects you. I think that Lynch has something specific in mind, but it's he's so abstruse that it's hard to it's hard to try and rely on what Lynch is trying to tell you because it's he might show you like you know a severed head on a stick and be like it's a metaphor for how beautiful the world is yeah, like, yeah, like okay, what the what? fuck it's a metaphor for popcorn yeah you're like how much how was i going to get that how was i going to get that? like it's like playing those old click and point point and click adventure games where you have <laughs> in order to unlock the door you have to put cheese into a blender and add like yeah, cat hair to it or exactly. like none of this makes sense i would never gotten there right so like, on my own. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So I think the way that Lynch works is you kind of you have a bunch of pieces and you build your personal Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how you have to and do I it. I kind of like that. You know, <sighs> I think here's what it is with Frank. I think it all hinges on that line. You and me are the same. You and me are the same. Because yeah. when he gets out of the car, if I mean, he could kill him. Boom. He could right. shoot him. We've seen him do violent stuff. But if he were to do that in that moment, it would be like a weird like suicide in a way right so he sees something in jeffrey that that resonates with some string in himself he can't let him off without like a good beating a good and a beating. warning yeah. because he's got to show jeffrey that this is not the world that he belongs in he yeah. needs to go back to i'm gonna keep calling it riverdale because it's got that no, that's fine yeah yeah, yeah beautiful like nostalgic like yep. the early scenes of Christine. I think even the in the in the, the the name he chose for the town speaks to it as Lumbertown. It's Lumbertown. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean we're gonna see another lumber mill town yeah, uh, yeah. in not too long yeah. in Twin Peaks. But uh yeah I think uh I think that's why he doesn't kill him is mm-hmm. he's he's it's because if this is if let's go there, if this is all in Jeffrey's head, mm-hmm. this is his id warning the the super egoic Jeffrey or whatever. Right. This is this is the id warning him like you need to have a filter. Right. You need to retain some of your innocence or you end up here. like this. Right. Yeah. So I th- right here right now, yeah. Right. This there's a you know Neutral Milk Hotel the band? No. All right. I'll introduce you to Neutral Milk Hotel, but there's Perfect. an album called On Avery Island. It I always confused me when I was really young. They have a bunch of songs. Their first song on that album is called Song Against Sex. And there's lots of lyrics in, uh, in their discography that seem to be lamenting sex, like accepting it as a part of the world, but lamenting like you're not the, you're same, not the after same afterwards. All this innocence and like, oh, we're looking at birds and we're looking at the sky. Does, but once you does have, jealousy truly rear its head until you've experienced uh, that? Right. It's in a weird way. It's like it is a beautiful thing. It is mm-hmm. part of life, but it does it destroys the that innocence that mm-hmm. that that there's a longing for an earlier time right. and i never got there's those lyrics there's also something very beautiful about 
the well the intimacy that's two different things though it's like the there is that primal need to procreate right and so we the humans have that drive to right and fucking feels good and yep. fucking feels good but, but there's also something that's a, a very like a, I don't say spiritual but there's a connection no, between two people not when re- done correctly not, not spit on your grave when, not but, religious but, but even spiritual. that though that there if it is done the other way there's a change as well so it's such a powerful thing see I was thinking that in a weird in a way it's a beautiful thing because you have to give up that innocence yeah. to go there so yeah. it's you're they always say like you're giving part of yourself to someone <laughs> <Right>. else <laughs> but in a weird way what you're doing is you're giving up part of yourself yeah. to share a new experience right. with somebody right the first time after that it's just like, after oh, that it's so awesome <laughs> but um yeah i really like sex there's another way yeah but i, I never understood those lyrics un, until later in my life right. and now i think this is kind of what lynch is echoing here which is like once you get into because like Drinking is fun. Yeah. Like we see, we see um, Jeffrey and Sandy. Like, oh, you've never had a Heineken? No, I've never had a Heineken. My dad drinks Bud. Oh, it's the king of beers. They're, yeah, they're just like having a they're having a beer. Like having the a first beer. That time, yeah. yeah, that's like dipping a toe into that. It's like, oh my gosh, this is pretty tasty. We're having a fun little. Oh, look at us be adults. Look at a couple of beers, and then right. there's a. Di- we see beers later. There's a different kind of beer. It's where mm-hmm. you're slamming your beer and you're crying while the guy in a painted face sings "Candy Colored Clown." Yeah, and you know we see like uh, we see characters. You know, um, like I think the way that um, physical intimacy, I'll say, because it's not just sex. There's like the kissing right. and the caressing. The way that physical intimacy is talked about in those two worlds of the film, when Sandy and Jeffrey kiss. At that dance, that mm-hmm. house party, it's, it's a they nice come in open mouth, and it's beautiful. but it's slow. Yeah, they come in so slow, and they just they kiss, and it's gen- it's gentle, and it's kiss, mm. and it's tender, and their hands don't move. Everything is slow and deliberate. Yeah, when Jeffrey and Valens kiss, her hands are frantically running over his body. Mm-hmm. There's like this weird, like praying mantis, yep. like predatory kissing happening, and that's Jeffrey. That's the same male, but, different. Yeah. I think that's Lynch showing us how physical intimacy works in the youth, you like childish, innocent youth, and, and then, then the, 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 the more experienced adult world. Adult right. world. And we talk about, you know, um, we hear stuff like, I love you. You know, when he's talking to Sandy, she says, yes. I love you. He says, I love you too. Whereas Valens never says love. She says, do you like me? Yeah. And then the way that she talks about physical intimacy in a positive, in a positively connoted way. She says, he put his disease in me. I was just, he put his disease in me. Yeah. And just before that, because you know how you love how I take notes. I love how you take, yeah. (laughs) It says, it's always an awkward moment when you have to bring your fucked up lover to your girlfriend's parents' house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thought I was gonna go coffee out the nose <laughs> onto the mic there. Yeah, that was. Uh, and that's when she's standing there naked in, in in, in, Sandy's, in Sandy's parents' parents' living like room, front hall. Yeah, yeah, the front hall. And she's completely naked, battered and bruised. And she's, Sandy knows that something has happened yes. because she's like. And again, though. But she's like Jeffrey, love, love me or something. Like she says something to Jeffrey. That, she's like, "Where were you, my where were secret you? lover?" Yeah. And like, and then she's over like, him. "He put his disease in me." I'm like, "That's awkward." Well, she says, "Fuck." She says, "He put his disease in me." Fuck. There's and another then there's line a right after line, yeah. where she says, um, 
it's something like it's okay now or something like yeah, that. Yeah. She even says earlier, I wrote this line down, um, after he hits her in bed earlier and chips her tooth and there's blood on her lips and she smiles like, oh yeah, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. You finally showed me how much you love me. Um, afterwards, when he's getting dressed in the hall, she comes out and she says, I still have you inside of me. It helps me. Oh, shit. The way that she talks about sex. Yeah, obviously, this is not like realistic dialogue between two people. No, I have a note about Lynch's dialogue anyway, but... Yeah, I think... I actually really like Lynch's dialogue because it's consistent. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't consistent, it would be bad writing, but the way that it's written, I think it's... It's consistently as if written by an alien creature that... (laughs) <laughs> I simplified it. I said, you know what it is? Is it's for me? It's art house dialogue. It's, it is art house dialogue. It's yeah. dialogue that doesn't exist to be dialogue. It exists it's to serve. It serves it's a purpose. Super specific, right? It serves a and there's no, there's no kerfuffle. There's no like it's, all the all of the um, character that you get. Yeah. isn't from anything particular that they're saying. It's from the performance and how the words are being said. Right, but the, also the words are so very specific. It um, that's why to me it feels like it feels. Like, and when I say like it, it feels like an alien. It's like it's like someone from somewhere that doesn't quite understand human language. Right, was was watching humans and how they speak. It would be like if Siri was learning dot, like language and syntax. Uh huh. And then was to write a line of dialogue, how how you would think. No, I'm serious. <laughs> it's Lynch like is serious. Dave Lynch is, but because even when like I wrote down the line when when the, he brings the ear to the detective, and I yes, think that this that's yes, a human yes, ear, that, all right. Yep, yep, yes, that's a human ear, all right. Yep. And this is the way that's the way the lines are and delivered. Yeah. Yes. 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 That's a human yes, ear, that, all right. But that is sort of like that is the that is sort of the 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 template for how. Every line of dialogue is sort of constructed. It's right. that. It's that. It's not. Yup. It's not. Yeah. Although he does, you know. There's some of it, but I get. I always got the sense when you hear like clipped or shortened dialogue, right? Because David, there's there are people like Elmore Leonard um, or Kevin Smith to keep it in the world of movies, where right. there's a casual, very casual feel to dialogue, where it's just like, you know, like, yeah. Did you ever hear about that guy's brother? No. What about that guy's brother? Oh, right. Crazy. It's more like how people actually speak, where this is more, um, this very stylized. Right. This not simplified, but it kind of is. This, yeah. In a way. This to me feels like the dialogue, the type of dialogue that exists to, uh, like, exists to show you something rather mm-hmm. than create a naturalistic feel. Because there's no naturalism to the movie. No. So this is like that art house thing of like. You know, like the and the eggshells we walk upon shall cut our feet. Like it's right. that weird thing that no one would ever say, but when you see it in a specific type of film, it's part of a piece of art. Right. So Lynch's dialogue to me is more like I don't. Strokes. I don't not like it. No, it's, I like it. Yeah. You have to settle into it because it's a little jarring at first. Definitely. You're like, oh, ooh, okay. I have to reset my brain for like when he's like, you see that house over there. I used to know a guy lived in that house. He had the biggest tongue I'd ever seen. Or yeah, whatever. Like, and you're like, <laughs> you want to see the ch- how the chicken dance? You want to see how a chicken walks? Oh, a chicken walks. And he just yeah. does this weird walk. Um, I had a note about Kyle MacLachlan early in the film when he's in like Innocent World. Yes, I think he's doing a kind of David Lynch impression because he really does. He has the he has even the. 
that tone of his voice mm-hmm. hits young David Lynch. Young David Lynch, which okay. Which Lynch is young when he's making this film, mm-hmm. but it really does feel to me like maybe like a not a, not an impression, but sort of like he's taken some some sort of he's picked some details from working with Lynch and put them into his performance. And I think you have to too, because in a weird like who the fuck would ever be like? There was a guy in there. He had the biggest tongue I'd ever seen. And there right, was a, it sounds like a David Lynch story. It sounds like a yeah, David Lynch telling a story where yeah. they're like, "So, tell us about uh, what was the process of shooting the film." Well, there's this guy. He was a blind pilot, and he had a wooden <laughs> right. leg. And you're like, yeah, what? "What does this have to do with right. the cameras? We want to know what kind of cameras did you use?" There was a cat, and I cut him open and <laughs> wow well, the uh, colors on the inside of him. And you're like, "Wait a minute, wait, what? Hold on." <laughs> so when you're right, <laughs> no, no, I absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so you can kind of see how like Kyle McLaughlin might be like, "I went to make a sandwich." Right, like <laughs> if you want me to, if you want me to say this tongue line, I gotta say it. I like gotta you. say it like you, buddy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> But okay, to the to get back to the he put his disease in me yeah. moment when Sandy, God, Laura Dern has a great crying face. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's her mouth. weird. It it can torts in the weirdest her sort of way. Mouth goes it goes like, all predator in a weird in, in a weird, weird way. way. It gets like wide. It's it's like watching agony. It, for like her mouth looks like she's in agony, and her eyes look like she's crying, and it's. Together, it is the most distinct, sad crying face I've ever yeah. seen. She does something like it in Jurassic Park. Yeah, she does. When she does that, like, when anytime she's afraid of the dinosaurs and then has a moment of relief and she cries in relief. It's that. It's that. Weird, like. I, it's impossible to it's do. Like, it's like her mouth becomes a bow tie. It's like tight in the middle. Yeah, tight in the middle and, and wide on the, wide on the edges. Yeah. But it's awesome yeah oh my god you see it and you're just like i want to watch all the laura dern movies there are <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing <laughs> that moment i was like holy shit laura dern <laughs> yeah damn but yeah. when when she for uh when she's on the phone with jeffrey now this is the one moment where i'm like come the fuck on but it kind of you know now that we've been talking about it a little bit mm-hmm. it makes more sense to me when i first watched the scene immediately after dorothy valens and jeffrey leave in the uh, ambulance the next thing we see is jeffrey calling sandy to be like do you forgive me oh that phone call yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when he's like he's like i'm so sorry do you forgive me and, and she forgives him and- now yeah when i first saw it i was like what the fuck like why he put his disease in me. You'd yeah. never forgive that guy. Yeah, some dude outside. That's but right. but uh, then I remembered the rules of the movie we're watching, which is Sandy lives in a high school drama whodunit Nancy Drew movie. Yep. And what people do in those is... I screwed up. I kissed this other girl at the dance, but really, I love you. Oh, I oh, love I'll you, too. Oh, I'll take you back. Yeah, it's that it's, world. She's playing by the rules yep. of the world she, she lives in. And she has to. She doesn't have a choice in that matter. Right. No one really has much of a choice in this movie. Like, they all make their own decisions, but because they are archetypes. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Right, exactly. In a weird way, they are not people. They're explorations of concepts. Right. So it's like watching... It's like watching the parts of a science experiment turned into humans. It's it's weird. Like trying to figure out Which what Lynch of, is doing. Sort of feeds into my. He's like he's from a slightly different dimension. And Lynch, yeah, is, is he's like, one step out of just, the world just, we live in. Oh my god, a half a second out of phase with the just rest of the world. Just out of phase, but it's like <laughs> so beautiful. Oh. Yeah. So I think 
that like we watch Frank and Frank is playing. Frank only plays by the rules of the world he yep. lives in. The only person who moves between the two worlds is Jeffrey. He is the bottom, the weaver. Yeah, of- I was gonna say I'm like <laughs> in this movie when with this much sexual perversion flying around, bottom means a very it's different specific thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. You mean yeah, you mean the 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 sort of the character who runs back and forth between the world of humans and fairies. The world of fairies, yeah. Right. Yeah. You and your Shakespeare references. I know, sorry. No, I like them. Thank you. They're good. <laughs> um Oh, we're going to talk about Shakespeare next week, too, aren't we? Oh, yeah, we sure are. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes, we are, sir. <laughs> Anywho, um, I, I like I like that everyone, it's not that everyone, like, what's that stupid phrase that everyone's saying now, stay in your lane? Oh, it's, not, st- it's not that everyone's staying in their lane, it's that everyone has a world that they live in, except for Jeffrey, mm-hmm. and their behavior is dictated not by any like personal freedom but by the rules of the movie they're in. Do you, you ever hear the theory that stra- the first season of Stranger Things it was so good because it's three different genres depending on which characters which you're watching? Which characters you're watching, yep. Yeah, like the little kids are in like a coming of age adventure movie, the teenagers are in a, a, a horror like film, a slash horror film, and the adults are in a conspiracy thriller. Yeah. And they all behave as though that's the genre. They are in that, yeah. They don't move outside of that at all. And that's that's why the show is so cool is because it's like this kaleidoscope of genres that everybody loves (laughs) i think in a weird way this movie is that but in just two directions Mm -hmm. you have a hard bit a really hard bit in crime like crime movie Mm -hmm. and then you have like a riverdale like a riverdale whodunit like because you have the whole stuff with like she has the boyfriend and he's trying to get with and the boyfriend gets mad and like it's all that degrassi junior high shit right and i i think what's I think there's a really great moment where Lynch shows us this pretty clearly, the the colliding of the two worlds, because no, no one really runs into the other world other than Jeffrey. Like, mm-hmm. um, Sandy never meets any of the criminals. Like, the one time... She only meets her at the end when she comes in. Well, yeah, and that it fucks her up super so bad. bad. Yeah, like a- anytime someone who's not part of that world crashes with it. I mean, I it, it, I love the moment when she's crying on the floor after having forgiven Jeffrey, and hangs up the phone and she goes, "Where's my dream?" Mm-hmm. Because in her world, like that that moment in the car. Damn, I have three threads in my head right now, but. The moment in the car when Jeffrey's like all fucked up because he's been he's now been pulled out of that innocent world into the world of adulthood. Mm-hmm. Sandy has had no exposure to it. So she's able to monologue about a beautiful. And the reason I think that comes off as weird and like kind of shallow and stupid. The is, Robin thing. The Robin thing yeah. is because we just saw a woman be like horrifically abused by a dude. And then tw- twist of the sc- turn of the screw or whatever we find out that that was okay with her because that's what she's because into. Because she's into that. So we're all fucked up. And yep. now Sandy's going to tell us that the Robins mean love and they're going to save the world. And we're like, what are you talking about? We're but a, that's her innocence. We're in a crime yeah. movie now, but yeah. she's not. She's not. She's not in a crime movie. She's <laughs> she's in a high school... Yeah. She's she's in Can't Buy Me Love or whatever. Exactly. Like. <laughs> she's She's got a boyfriend, but she really likes this new guy. But she has no idea that he's... Zero clue. That he just almost had his cock cut off. Like, yep. we're watching... Now we're watching two movies struggle to exist in the same front seat of a car. Yeah. That's why I actually like that dialogue. When I first heard that dream, I was like, this is breaking my heart because she has no idea Zero that idea. Jeffrey just witnessed something that will change him forever. And she's like... But she's Robinson. thinking Scooby-Doo and the gang, and he's like, nope, I'm in a David Lynch movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
listen up, Sandy, you dumb bitch. You gotta get on the same page as right. smokes a furious cigarette. Right. <laughs> You're like five pages behind. Right, exactly. Like you gotta read a little further into the script and then the radio opens up and a woman comes out right. and sings that See? in heaven everything is fine. You know, like <laughs> But seriously, um, and then she just, she just like that happens. She just doesn't say anything. Just casually opens the door and gets out, gets walks out, away. walks away. Right? She's like, I'm not ready for this, nope. and, and and she's not. She's not ready for it. Because not in the least. She, she plays by the rules and forgives Jeffrey and tells him that she loves him. But she's still like, where's my where's dream? my dream? Because she. Yeah, that's that sliv that sliver of that it other world. It could also be that we are seeing Jeffrey's dream and she's like, Where's my dream? Right. If why, if we're in my his version head. of this. Yeah. But um damn it, there was some there was a reason I went back to that car and I can't remember what it was because it was such a long digression. It was Sandy on the floor. I don't remember. Sorry. It's fine. It's my fault for having so many. <laughs> you had that look in your face when you started. Like I have three threads in my brain. I'm like oh, like, Max is gonna. I was like, I've got Max is gonna pop. I've got too much in my. Head. <laughs> I'm like, I can't get it all out. No. Um, do we know when Reservoir Dogs was made? It was ninety something, like ninety three or ninety. Because there's a there's a man tied to a chair with his ear chopped off, and boy, does it look familiar. Yep. I'm wondering what is influencing what here. I. Oh, I, you, you, I mean, Reservoir Dogs is clear. It's is in the nineties. I mean, it's. Hold on, I'll, I'm to be it. Um, but shout, shout. Oh, oh, I kind of remember. It's the moment when the two. I kind of. I, I know. I now I've got it. It's the moment when the two movies, uh, the two different films we're watching, collide, yeah. and we see how people are unable to cope outside of their own film. Because Blue Velvet is is like we were saying, like the the Riverdale High School Scooby Doo mm -hmm. movie and the crime movie. It's when there's a, that car chase happening, and he's like got the fucking pedal to the floor, and he's like, "My dad's he's he's playing he's in a crime movie now. He yep. has been for most of the film. And he's like, my dad's got a gun." And Sandy's like, what are you fucking talking about? Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> she's so, she's hysterical. She's like, yep. she's like, what are you? No, 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 no. We go and tell principal that the maple syrup gang is right. following us in their, <laughs> exactly. in their kooky souped up car. And Jeffrey's like, all right, if I got to shoot these motherfuckers, I'll do it. And she's like, what the fuck she's are like, you talking what? about? Who are you? Because those, that's colliding. That's colliding those worlds. And yeah. then the relief on her face when she realizes that she's, Okay, I'm still in my box. I'm still playing with the toys that I, mm -hmm. with the the pieces that I've always had. And she goes, "Oh, it's Mike." Yeah, oh, it's Mike. We're all kind of relieved that it's just Mike. Yeah, and also, and what's funny is that, that should sorry. be scary. No, no, go ahead. Because that should be scary, right? Right. But it's such relief that it's Mike. If we were just in the Riverdale thing, we would be like, "Oh fuck, he's gonna get his ass beat." But we've seen the dark world that he lives right. in. We're like, "Oh, you're you stupid motherfucker." And if we didn't have you, Jeffrey being half in half that world yeah. we wouldn't know that frank is a much more serious yeah. threat and then so when he's the, like the, it's frank and sandy's like why don't we just go to my dad and he's like you don't understand it's practically yeah. like you stupid bitch this man's a killer but he doesn't quite say it right he's got that rough criminal criminal movie and even mike ends up apologizing i'm sorry i didn't know that's I'm why sorry. I that's didn't know. that's what i wanted to point out is it's Mike. You stole my girlfriend. I'm gonna kick your ass. We're in high school. Movie We're in a high school because movie. we see yep. Yep. we see you know like oh it's just Mike. Mike, you leave him alone, you big bully. Mike, I don't want to cause any trouble. Okay, we're in high school movie again, yep. and then all of a sudden 
there's a naked, beaten, bloody woman in the background, and Mike turns. An adult. And he is so, this is so far outside his Riverdale world. He goes, who's that, your mom? Doesn't even realize. He, because to him and to the high schoolers, adults are people's parents. Yep. That's that's the role that they have. So yep. he, his brain is slipping. The gears are slipping so hard. He goes, "Who's that, your mom?" And then immediately Jeffrey goes back to crime movie, and he's like, yep. the "Fuck out of my way!" Basically, and like yeah. shoves past, and he's like, "All right, we're gonna yeah, get you some help. Fine. Be All right, fine. fine. My dad's got a gun. I'm gonna kill these motherfuckers. You, oh baby, I love you." Like he turns into like detective yep. mode. Yep. And. All of he's there's like five guys. Mike should be pissed still. He's not because crime movie just walked into his world and he's like, I don't want any. He doesn't like, want I'm any sorry. part of it. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I didn't, I didn't know. know. I didn't know. know. I'm sorry. Yeah. And he backs up and they get her in the car. And I love Sandy's dialogue because now the crime movie's in the car with yep. her. So she's not like, what am I going to tell Mike? She's she as Jeffrey's pulling away. She's like, OK, watch out for Mike. She's. She, yeah, she's in that. Okay, watch out for Mike. We're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she kind of bumps up to like adult adult, adult movie, movie for yep. a little while because it's there in the car with her. She has to exist in that world. She's forced into it. I think that's kind of what makes her that. That's kind of what makes her breakdown facilitated. Is yeah. she's? It's like um. You ever play those old any old video games where your character has to me if I ever played I'm sure you have but where your character your character has to go to another dimension but you can only stay there for so long because it like taxes your yeah 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 you're like at while you're over there you're dying because it's so far outside your experience that's what happens to Sandy she's there's this naked woman here (laughs) and she's like he put his disease in me everything's gonna be okay now because I have his disease leaking and you're like what What in the the fuck? fuck yeah and Sandy that that's not her dimension. She's now in another dimension, and she's got seven minutes, which is running in her upper corner. Yep. And if she doesn't get out, <laughs> yep. it she'll have to respawn. But no, like that's that's kind of what's that's happening. What's happening yeah. She's like, her I, sanity meter is her sanity meter is slipping. She's like, this zero. isn't where I live. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. So she's relieved when Jeffrey calls her and is like, I love you, baby. Do you forgive me? Oh, I'm so sorry that I made things weird with Mike. She's like, oh, okay. Oh, that High was the meter refill. Yeah, yeah. She's way. like, high school drama. I have these tools. I've got this. Okay, cool. Yes, I know this. I do. I forgive you, Jeffrey. I'm sorry I got you into this crazy Scooby. Please put us back in the Riverdale movie. Right, and she falls back in there, and then she has that little denouement where she's like, that, that where is my dream is yeah. basically the same as her saying, like, I don't ever want to go back to crime movie. Nope. Dude, I'm fine with being here. I I really dig. That. I mean, the only two, the only problem with that scene is the Ghostbusters show up to take fucking uh, Valens away. Oh yeah, the most Ghostbusters ambulance you yep. ever saw. Yep, it's impossible. I know that is the ambulance of the time. That period. is, I mean, it's, it's the Ecto one. But it is the Ecto one, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you're like. There's this serious scene, and then all of a sudden I'm on my couch. I'm like, and then she gives him the like weakest slap I've ever seen in my life. Although that might be in character, because we've seen brutal violence in crime movies. She would only, yeah, maybe like weak high school slap. Yeah, actually, I kind of like that now. I'm building a really strong reading of this film in my head. Yeah, you are. And the more I'm doing it, the more I'm liking this movie. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> oh my god. Um, what do you have? I have that Frank should not have c- 
cocked that fucking semi-automatic handgun every time he shot somebody. Uh, I was thinking about that, and I think with the kind of suppressor that he was using, it that there's not enough um, force to re. Uh, because it disperses so much. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't know. If the I guess if the suppressor dispersed a bunch. Uh, no, but it's just dispersing the gases yeah, out the, the gas side. The, yeah. the the actual explosion would still would still blow the slide back or should blow the slide back. Yeah, I've never like I I know about weapons. I've used them because you know, military and stuff. But like I've obviously never used like a silencer of any kind. Right. I don't know how that actually would affect the the, the function. But yeah, he he cocks the slide back every single time he fires the gun. Right, which every time, yeah. I, I mean, I want to sound like an idiot. I, I, more than I'm gonna <laughs> say. I mean, we can. I, I'm kind of curious because when I was watching it, the when you when you have a suppressor on, it doesn't affect the the only thing that affects how the the blowback of the slide mm-hmm. is the actual the load that you're firing. It's like if you if you have like a hot load with right more like more powder. Um, I uh, CJ was telling me that he was running really hot loads the other day, and it it pushed the slide back so far that it was it was slamming the slide back forward and back again so it was double oh, feeding. Oh, it was double feeding. Okay. Right. So the only thing that would affect that would be the loads that he was firing. So the only way he'd have to like cock he would just have misfires. Misfires, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't be strong enough to eject the shell, but yep. but then he would stovepipe and he would have yeah. to practice. The <laughs> like, so there's yeah, there's no so reason to cock the yeah. gun every time except it's like, um, have you ever seen the movie Shooter with Mark Wahlberg? Yes. Mark Wahlberg is firing a uh, semi-automatic 50 caliber um, sniper rifle at the beginning of the movie, and he works the lever every time. Every time. <laughs> because the the editor wanted that, like... You want that moment of... Yeah, because there's... And he's feeding the shell into the... Moving the gun handles and it's making the the click clack the, the noise. Click noise. Everyone loves the click right. clack noise. If you go online, every single person who watches gun the movie is like, is like, um, that gun's actually semi-automatic and with a fully automatic option. There's no reason you'd have to <laughs> cycle <laughs> cycle the handle every time. So yeah, I think that that watching that, I was like, Frank, what are you doing? You're what, sh- what are you doing? Shoot a bullet. Uh, pop a think- bullet out. Shoot a bullet. <laughs> pop a new <laughs> bullet out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really don't have a whole lot left on, on this, to be honest with you. Uh, I do like brain, uh, brain, dead, brain guy. dead guy. Holy yeah. fuck. That was upsetting. Dude. Yeah, it was really upsetting. And, and you're there, you're just there hanging out with him for a, what feels like a long time. You know, what's weird is fucking brain dead guy comes right on the heels of like, it almost feels like Scooby Jeffrey's kind of back yeah. toward the Scooby gang side of things where he's mm-hmm. like, I'm sneaking up the stairs. He went to his prom and stuff or whatever. Yeah. Like, so, uh, and then he opens that door and we have a, that tableau of like Dorothy's, Dorothy's husband ear chopped off, tied to a chair, dude standing in chair with half his head blown off, still alive, but totally brain dead with just enough left to like, you know, he's in his last moment. He, well, he's in his last moment for quite a while. Yeah, like, like the, the look minutes. on his face is that last. Like he's just in freeze frame mode, which is oh right. I see what you're terrible. saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. his brain is locked in the, in his last moment. Right, he has like there's enough like autonomic function to like keep breathing and heart beating and stay balanced, but yeah. he's fucking dial tone, yep. man. And uh, 
it's it literally made me like jump. Yeah, when, I, the, when the radio crackles and his arm jerks up oh, and he, he hits knocks the, the lamp, lamp over. over. Yeah, I was like ah, and it's so gross, yep. dude. It's because he's 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 for all intents and purposes he's dead. dead. If you watched any of this new show, uh, The Terror, no. All right, there's a show called The Terror. It's pretty good. Everyone should check it out. It's about Arctic explorers and old British explorer people, and it's a horror and it's a mystery. But there's a character who gets this top of his skull ripped off, and uh, his brain is exposed, and he's in a coma, but he's still alive. Fuck me. He's the worst. He's not the worst. He's it's an awesome touch, but it's the most upsetting thing you've ever seen because people will just walk by his bunk and be like, "How you doing there, mate?" And his fucking brain, brain is, is out. There. Oh, and that's kind of how I felt watching this guy, where I'm just like, "Please, someone kill him." Yeah. Not because I'm like, yeah, but his kill brain, him, kill him, his kill brain him. You're is- like poking out of his yeah skull. you're like i can't i can't keep he, nope. he's got to be dead please make him dead and when frank shoots him you're like you're thank so you, frank. happy you're yeah thank the you one frank. moment where jesus it, where you're like oh, okay frank thank you uh, the one note i have God, on that frank's scene a good is like, guy. i want to yeah. know what happened there how did that all i like that we don't know i do too but that and that's why it is the way that it is. But I'm like, God, what the fuck happened here, man? Yeah, like how Someone did shot the TV? How did killed, we like, get to this? Yeah. yeah, Jesus. I mean, this is like a Mexican standoff gone way, way bad. Like it's well, the, weird. And the reason that I like not knowing how that happened is it doesn't seem possible because the no. dude's tied to the chair with his ear sawed off. Somebody else was in the room. Was it Frank? Who else was there? Who yeah. shot? <sighs> and then I like. I mean. When you see well-dressed man, Frank disguised as a well-dressed man, man. you're like, one, what is the purpose of Frank dressing up as the well-dressed man? Two, Twin Peaks does this better because it's a woman dressing as a Chinese businessman, right? (laughs) which is so much more, which is so much more absurd. But you you can kind of see Lynch like testing stuff that he's going to do later. By the way. So Quentin Tarantino is maybe nodding to Blue Velvet here, yeah. Maybe. Because come on, yeah, same. It's, same it's this different ear. It's the other side, but still. Or the way he's in the chair. He, way, yeah. he is in the chair. The the ear cut off makeup. Reservoir Dog. Okay, best best ear chopping off in a movie. Definitely Reservoir Dogs. Oh uh, right? yeah, handsome. Especially because of the gasoline afterwards. <sighs> Fucking shit. That's a great flick. Yep. Um. Um, so the only last note that I have before you dive in is okay. the, this is the most mainstream flick of his, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, yes, there are some weird lynchy moments. The rough ride use of uh, the like the this movie is sort of like the rough ride for for Jeffrey, right? It's like the the going what we've been talking about the whole time, like the loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. All right, here are <laughs> here are my notes. Um, <laughs> morning bird. Um, we recorded super early this morning. We started at five. Um, that's the level of dedication that we are bringing to you. We woke up at four thirty. We got together. We made ourselves some coffee. We compared notes. We mm-hmm. smoked a couple of cigarettes, but not you because you quit. Mm-hmm. I started. Nice. Well done. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm super happy for you. Here are my notes. I said, "Hey, look, Paul is a racer head." <laughs> So the actor who plays Paul, who's barely in the movie and doesn't serve a single fucking purpose. Yep. I think he's only there because he played Eraserhead. Yeah, he's like, I'm uh, Paul. Henry. He played Henry in Eraserhead, right, yes, I should yeah. say. But yeah, I'm Paul. And he walks away. <laughs> You're like, hmm, okay. Uh, we're going to, are we going to call that a cameo? What are we going to call that? I think that? it's a cameo. Okay, yeah. so yeah, Paul is Eraserhead. Um, I said, David Lynch likes curtains. Yeah, he does. That red velvet curtain. Opening credits. Blue curtains. Yep. Uh, red curtains twice with the open window. Yep. In, uh, Always while they're having sex. And you know what? 
they're I, you keep expecting a guy to come through the window. Yeah, or somebody Nobody behind. Nobody ever it. does. No, Lynch does that a lot in Lost Highway. Where you expect shit to expect happen. Shit to happen. You know where happen. else he does that a lot in? Mm. Fucking Mulholland Drive. Oh, no shit. Oh, my yeah. God, Mulholland Drive. Yep. I think we're going to probably watch we that have next to. season. I still have a hard time taking garbage out to a dumpster. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. No <laughs> kidding. That is the tensest I've ever been. Yep. Um, when Madman Guy gets scared to death. Uh, and then, okay, I have this note. Why would you lay a partially full beer on the dashboard of your car? When uh, and nobody knows when, how to pour a beer. When in this movie Je- oh either. my god, I'm like, well, you got six inches of head, <laughs> so you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you got- <laughs> Anytime Jeffrey pours a beer, I'm like, why are you, why doing, are you that? doing that? Why are you even just pick up the glass and you can have a glass of beer <laughs> right. rather than a glass of foam? <laughs> Seriously, you jackass, you fucking asshole. <laughs> but it's always a perfectly pour when the, when the mug comes up into right, frame. Right, like cut back. Oh, that's a. Well done. It's like, so your Heineken was flat to start right. with. You might want to check that cap. I wouldn't drink that. <laughs> wouldn't what are you that. doing? It's like no one calling Sharp. <laughs> right? well, you can tell we got restaurant industry oh my experience. God. Seriously. Yeah. No one knows how to fucking pour a beer. And then also when Jeffrey's on his stakeout, the first thing we see is a Heineken bottle on its, on side, its side on his dash, beer in it. half full, like right below the neck. And I'm like, Jeffrey, that's really dangerous, dude. You're going to get beer in your vent. If you get beer in your air vent. That car is fucked, dude. It's, it's going to smell like beer. You're going to get ants in your dash. You don't want that. What are you so fucking doing? Bad. Also, you have an open beer in your car, you dumbass. Yeah, highly illegal, Jeffrey. I love his jerry-rigged... Um, dude, that camera box? Camera I was like, box. okay, that's kind of sweet. I was in. <laughs> but the arm but motions the arm are arm so big. He's like, cack, cack. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, I'm going to be surreptitious. And then he does like Superman <laughs> air punch to take a picture. I was also... I also know that I'm like, you haven't opened your snacks yet. I'm pretty sure those bags were closed. I'm like... Are you not eating those? Are you eating those snacks? What are they? How long have you been there on the steakhouse? <laughs> that you had half a beer and no snacks. No snacks. <laughs> like what? You're doing steakouts wrong, dude. What you need is a dashboard full of like coolly smoked cigarettes. Real quick, you're on a steakout. Two snacks. What do you bring? Two snacks. Ooh, it's got to be something that lasts and something that's going to stick to your ribs. So one of the snacks has to be a bag of beef jerky. I was going to say beef jerky. Beef Absolutely jerky for beef sure. Jerky. But you also want something kind of messy that you have to wipe on your. On when you oh, thing. they're here, they're here, and you got to like. Wipe. And you got to wipe I'm them. I'm thinking the red pistachios. Ooh. Because you you have to crack them open. They're now, messy. See, I the one that I like the one that the thing that I always come back to is like really cheap pork rinds. Oh, super yeah, yeah, greasy. Yeah, really greasy. Like you're sitting there just eating handfuls of heartburn. And then like you, you got oh, to wipe work. your hand yep. really quick to get your camera up. And But it doesn't come off because there's so much grease on <laughs> the pork rinds. still like greasy. Right. So I say <laughs> I say cheap pork rinds and like good beef jerky. I think that's fine. don't I, skimp on beef jerky. Same with beef jerky. The red shell pistachios because you get that red. That little red on your fingers, and right? Your lips and your lips get a little red. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. That's good steakout. All right. So. Uh, do I have anything else? Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I did have one uh, one last thing. I think I had a couple other things, but whatever. Um, the ear in the gr- well, the ear in the grass was really weird. I liked. Oh, I want to. You know what? But fuck all this other stuff. I was going to talk about. It's okay. not really that important. <laughs> I want to talk about the ending. Yes. The Beatles. Everything is okay. Even Dad's fucking all right. Here's how I I read that slightly differently. I read. We see Jeffrey in the backyard. Right, mm-hmm. and he's laying there, and he's la 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 la. Dinner's ready. Right, dinner's ready. And he comes on like that's how idyllic is that? Like, yeah, it oh, felt so weird. Oh, the Jeffrey. end felt like he was gonna wake up out of that dream, and everything was shit. It felt like that. Well, when we we come awkward. out of his ear as he's laying in the background, so or laying in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So what I was thinking was 
if we're going to do the dream thing, which I would like to totally discount if mm-hmm. I'm building my own Lynch movie like we've been doing, um, I hate movies where it's like, and nothing mattered because none nothing of it was real. Changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if we're doing that, I would say he woke up into a, a good dream. But what I would, the way that I'm reading it is Henry, Henry is tainted still because he, I mean, he shot Frank in the fucking oh, Jeffrey? head. Jeffrey? Jeffrey, yeah. Jeffrey shot Frank in the head. Yeah. And he's like had sex with Dorothy Vallon several times and he he's beat a woman at this point. Like he's definitely like, He's part of that. He's got that crime he's world. In there, yeah. He went in there. He got soiled and stuff. But in the end, he wakes up and sees the Robin, and goes in. Uh, he goes in, and you know, it's it's everything short of like the dinner bell. Like, come on, yep. dinner's ready, honey. It's all of that apple pie on the fucking mm-hmm. windowsill. So he walks in, and the house he enters is all women. There are no men present at all. When we're in crime world. Everybody except for Dorothy Valens and those weird the weird older girls ladies, the, yeah. yeah. But other than Dorothy Valens, that world is exclusively male. Mm-hmm. The only violence we see is males. Even even in the like Riverdale world, there's that I'm gonna kick your ass, but nothing comes of it. Right. But even that is Mike. So men are representing violence. A lot of that violence is directed towards women, particularly Dorothy Valens. Yeah. And in the end, he walks into that house that's all women. And they're like, oh, look, look at Jeffrey. It's a... And there's the Robin, which we've uh, is so obviously a metaphor for love because that we've we heard, were told. We were told that. That Robins are exactly. a metaphor for love. The Beatles are, I think, are, a representa- are, are representing death or mortality mm-hmm. or like like that like morbidity we could yeah. say because we see jeffrey's dad have some sort of like, like he has a stroke is that what it is yeah okay so jeffrey's dad has a stroke at the beginning of the movie and we do the coolest like macro lens through the glass and Lynch. the beetles are eating the like just the, they're in the ground they're it's beetles like kind of like rolling over each other yeah. but that that lynch fascination with texture we see it a couple times one is with the velvet because i mean honestly like the guy like putting velvet in his mouth and yeah. rubbing velvet like we can tell that lynch is a texture guy yes so but going through the glass the grass and seeing the beetles moving and you're in such a close macro shot that you can't even tell what the beetles are for like the first five seconds mm-hmm. you're like what the what fuck am this? i looking yeah. at but it's beetles so beetles to me represent the like the scum under that veneer because mm-hmm. we've we see this idyllic like i'm exactly I'm watering the thing and la la, la and we get some banging pipes a little eraser head callback mm-hmm. and then stroke and when he hits the ground we go to him to the ground, to the ground. and then kind of like that there are beetles there that that mortality it's is under there. there so what i read that as is love because the beetle is dead the the yep. bird is eating. I couldn't eat a bug. So love has temporarily, at least, conquered that morbidity, yep. that death, that darkness that underlies. So for the time being, while it's still present for now, for now, yep. Jeffrey has reclaimed some of that innocence. I see it as an upbeat ending. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I like. I kind of like it's, your it's, ending. It's. I think the Robin is is saying yes. We're we're done for now, but. This is one of hundreds, hundreds, of, yeah. Hundreds there's of so it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. It's a reminder, like, yep, because I read that as because in the beginning of the movie, you're introduced to the white picket fence, the flowers, the the truck. You're I in love Americana, love it. Mm-hmm. And so the the film is bookended with the same shots, 
So we went, we were introduced to this, this perfect world and then saw the, the evil and the beetles in the ground. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we think everything is okay. But the reminder is that the beetles are, st- are they're still there. Right. So do you have anything else for this film? I don't. Nor I don't. do I. Um, you know, what's weird. I actually came out of this conversation liking this movie more than when I went into it. Interesting. I uh, watching it. I was like, mm, "This is it's it's a it's a David Lynch movie. It's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I'll definitely watch it again." Yeah, but yeah. I was like, eh, "It's just okay." But I feel like hashing things out. Yeah, you. I feel like I've, I've come just above lukewarm. Like I'm not like tepid anymore. I'm more sure. like, yeah, yeah. I, I think, can take a bath in it now and not feel like <laughs> I need to run the hot water for a little more. Yeah, there's uh, there's stuff in here that I really like. I think there's a lot of good. I mean. I, David Lynch is has a reputation for a reason. Mm-hmm. The movie will like bend your head around, and there's all the all the performances. We didn't talk about performance very much, but they're all okay. Yeah, nobody's amazing. I, there's two people that I think are really good in this. Not like Isabella Rossellini and Dennis Hopper, or I wasn't a huge fan of his, Isabella Rossellini's okay. performance. I like Dennis Hopper, and I like Quantum Leap guy. Oh yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. No, yeah, those, those two characters. Two. Dennis Hopper is. For people, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people who are like, I can't believe this performance is fucking blah, 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 blah. But honestly, this is a good performance. Yeah. When you figure out what he's doing and what's going on, Dennis Hopper is the strongest performance in this movie. And he's, yes, he is a, he's going over the fucking top, but he's doing it in stages. He's doing it with nuance. He's doing it with purpose. Yes. Because sometimes human beings go to 11, especially when they're not human beings, but metaphorical, but metaphorical representations, representations of yes. concepts. Yeah. So he's great in this. I really, really dug mm-hmm. him. Um, shall we do the Patreon Ooh, things? All right. Housekeeping. Um, Blue Velvet. Fun movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are a listener supported podcast. And if you like what we do and like our conversations and like us explaining really difficult and strange films, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Max Peterson. Um, we actually have a couple of people who you know, we do uh, bonus episodes over there. We, you can get access to our awesome season zero i went back and listened i'm like damn those are good episodes couple of pretty damn good yeah so you can go and listen to the our first attempt at this show which mm-hmm. we did last year um and you know you go to, head over to patreon you can read all about the show and what you can do to help us out if you so choose and the things that we can uh give back to you absolutely yeah including we want to be a sh- giving podcast we do <laughs> <laughs> as giving hit us anyway um, <laughs> include some of those uh, levels of patronage include shout outs on the show. So as always, we have to thank right off the top, John Shabby and Casey Shabby. God damn you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just God, Just God damn, you guys. damn you guys. Um, uh, we also have to thank as we do every show. Fuck him. I'm sick of thanking him. All right. Just well, kidding. Let's not even say his name. <laughs> I'm tired of it too. I'm done. This is this right here is the last time you will ever hear the name Connor Sweeney. He's dead to us. God damn him. That fucking I can't. Bastard. I have to come back around. He's so beautiful. How can you say that after he took your girlfriend and stole my wife? I don't know. God damn it, Carl. Can you blame them? No. Have you looked into his eyes? Carved from carved from it's it's onyx, but it's blue, it's but it's so green. It's the verdant of a spring field. It's like if if you could if you could. Do you think he'll take us back? I don't know. We'll have to be really really nice to him. I the only the only reason I'm really mad is because I'm pissed that he picked a bird over me. 
I wanted I wanted to be. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Connor Sweeney, thank you so much. And uh, better watch your back. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, if you have anything you want to tell us, if you want to suggest movies or you think we're crazy and think Blue Velvet's the best movie ever, if you think Dennis Hopper's performance is not nuanced but just pure madness, you can Let us know. email us at measuringflickspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to hit me up directly, good luck. I'm hardly ever on social media, <laughs> but your best bet is probably on Instagram at actualmaxp or Twitter at, Ma- uh, at maxjpeterson. Carl, where can people find you if they want to harass you? Well, on the Facebooks, I am Carl Hartley, K-A-R-L-H-A-R-T-L-E-Y. On the Instas, I'm Crazy Carl. That's K-R-A-Z-Y, K-A-R-L-006. 006 was that? 006. Sounded kind of like 006. Oh, sorry, 006. All right, cool. And that's it. That is it. So, um, yeah, usually I, this is where I flub and try and desperately to figure out something funny oh, to say. Sure. I would, my outro would probably have been, baby wants to fuck, but, <laughs> but, uh, oh, yes, uh, I just, I fell madly in love with a couple of things with this movie. So I'm going to take, take us out the, the best way I know how. Yeah.